Hey there, and welcome to the North County Beat, a podcast from the Coast News Group that drops every other week. Today is Friday, April 17th. I'm Kelly Kyle, and today I am so excited to introduce our new co-host, Ryan Walt. You may recognize his name from the Cheers North County column in the paper, which he also writes. So welcome to Ryan. Hi, Kelly. I'm really happy to be joining the show, talking to you and sharing the news with the followers of this great podcast. All right. So with that, we're going to dive right in. But first, I want to shout out our sponsor and supporter of the Coast News, Cox Communications. Cox Communications offers high-quality Gigablast internet services that help families stay online and connected as schools and offices remain closed. You can get more information at cox.com. Now we're going to move on to some of the top stories in North County right now. Some breaking news this week, Encinitas City Manager Karen Bruce has resigned from her post effective June 12th. This is especially significant right now since she's also been serving as the Director of Emergency Services since the city declared its state of emergency in March due to the coronavirus. Assistant City Manager Mark Dellen will serve in the role until Bruce's replacement is selected. And some more big news that'll impact your summer entertainment schedule. The San Diego County Fair will not be taking place this summer due to the COVID-19 pandemic. The Del Mar Fairgrounds Board of Directors made the call in a meeting earlier this week. Here's the Del Mar Fairgrounds General Manager, Tim Fennell. Uh, We've worked very hard. We looked at the possibility of shortening our four-week fair to a three-week, even to a two-week. We looked at the possibility, depending on what would happen with horse racing, of possibly moving the dates. It is staff's recommendation that we postpone the 2020 fair to 2021. The unanimous decision came hours after a statement by Governor Gavin Newsom calling the prospect of mass gatherings negligible until there is a vaccine and herd immunity to the virus. The county fair, which typically brings in more than 1.5 million visitors, was set to take place from June 5th to July 5th. The board is holding out hope that they may be able to put on a smaller event later in the year, bringing some of that fair atmosphere to the community. Now taking a look at the current state of coronavirus in San Diego County, the Coastal Rail Trail in Encinitas is the latest spot to close for social distancing. Parking along the trail is also closed from Swami's Beach down to Chesterfield and Cardiff. At the time of this recording, in the state of California, we're looking at 27,677 cases, which is about the fifth highest in the country. There have been 957 deaths statewide. In San Diego County, there are currently 2,087 cases of COVID-19 and 63 deaths. Although the number of cases continues to rise in this area, San Diego City Mayor Kevin Faulkner said social distancing efforts are really working. April is a critical month and we need to continue to stay the course. Thank you to all San Diegans who are doing your part, saving lives and flattening the curve. The results continue to be extremely positive. Across cities in North County, data shows we're seeing close to 300 cases. For an update on that situation locally, I called up Dr. Kevin Shaw, an ICU doctor at Scripps Memorial Hospital in Encinitas, who focuses on pulmonary disease and who's currently treating COVID-19 patients at Scripps. COVID-19 in North County, from the preliminary numbers we're looking at, seems to be steadily growing in numbers, um, but the rapid growth that we saw uh, about a week and a half to two weeks ago uh, has tapered off a bit. Um, we're still seeing folks coming in and admitting people with uh, COVID-19 pneumonia, but um, not the explosion in numbers that we 
had feared, and uh, and I'm hoping that this is a sign of of a kind of continued steady numbers, and and uh, and that there's not some some rapid growth around the corner waiting to come. But thus far, it's been relatively manageable for the hospital systems. So it's kind of it's still growing, but not at this extreme rate that you might have thought a couple of weeks ago? Yeah. Um, we are still seeing growth. is not nearly the same as what our colleagues in the South Bay had seen uh, and are seeing really this week and over the last week or so. But it's one of those situations where, you know, you've heard people uh, from, you know, governors to uh, health officials and, and, you know, doctors that you may speak to on the street say, Things like, you know, we're seeing social distancing working and the, the, the curve seems to be flattening, you know, that phrase that people have really become accustomed to. And it, it's very true. Um, that is all happening, but it's only relevant if we continue to do the things that we have found to be successful. And, you know, there has been a lot of discussion recently about, you know, when to open the country, so to speak, and when to reopen businesses. I think if we were to do it now or anytime in the uh, immediate future, the gains that we made through uh, our social changes and closing of businesses and things will be completely lost. I think we could see a secondary spike or a delayed uh, rapid peak if, if we uh, give this up too soon. I mean, I don't know if anyone can answer this. You know, we don't have a crystal ball, but we do have models. So I, I am curious, do you think that the worst is the worst is yet to come or is it kind of relative upon our behaviors right now it's definitely dependent upon our behavior and and we have you know examples of models that we can look at you know if you look at wuhan china and if you look at areas of italy and you look at spain where they had done uh social shutdown and social distancing before we had and some of the areas where they started to liberalize it too soon they've had now a second peak the other thing that would be crucial to deciding if and when it's safe to go back to business as usual is whether or not our healthcare infrastructure has the capacity to handle a potential surge. Are we going to have the PPE at that point? Are we going to have the ventilators at that point? You know, I mean, I'm paying out of pocket to try to get, you know, N95 masks and, you know, things we're, we're literally buying off Amazon and paying out of our own pockets to protect my colleagues. And that's not a sustainable model if we're going to reopen things and expect a secondary mm-hmm. surge or not only the coronavirus, but if we open things up in the hospital, we're also going to be resuming elected surgeries and resuming outpatient clinic visits. And we're going to need to have the equipment and the staff and the manpower and, and the personal protection to do all those things. And if we do it too soon and we're short again, then we're not only exposing our citizens, but but the frontline healthcare workers. Well, that's a really interesting point because, I mean, I, I feel like you guys see a different side of this issue. Yeah. I mean, what I'm seeing is is the, you know, the, the folks I'm working with are having to call hospital supply and beg to have masks delivered and being told every time you ask for an N95 that, you know, we're short on supply. You know, people are trying to buy them out of pocket and stockpile and give to each other and um you know what i'm seeing is if if you reopen this knowing that there's virus in the community the surge that we had been suppressing this whole time is going to happen and any decision to reopen a state or reopen a county or reopen a country is really an economic math problem of how much is a life worth because Mm -hmm. the sooner we open a region the sooner the economy will get starting to move again but it each day that we, you know, decide earlier to do this, there is a very calculable number of lives that will be cost. 
And so, you know, I don't envy the people that have to make the decision about when to reopen the government because it literally is deciding how much a life is worth. I mean, there's no there's no bones about it. It's an economic value on each life. Would you be able to say that like, oh, I think by June we might be in a different situation or are you literally like just kind of going week by week here? Well, I, I'll tell you, I would be shocked if we had not reopened uh, most of the country and certainly California by June. Mm-hmm. And it's not because I think everything will be safe by then. I think that's around that time is when I expect the economists and the government leaders will decide that it's worth X number of lives to do that because, you know, on the tail end, I'm not trying to minimize finances and money. I mean, people losing money and going unemployed and becoming homeless also has a cost uh, to life. And my expectation is that by June or maybe even before, uh, the economists who are, are, you know, consulting on this and and making recommendations are going to decide uh, it's it's more value to reopen the economy despite the coronavirus deaths that may come uh, at the expense of not only saving the economy but also lives as a result of the economy from you know minimizing homelessness and loss of rent and loss of shelter etc. And I'm hoping that by June we will have more readily available serologic testing so that people who have developed an immunity to coronavirus may may be able to learn that, find out, and and thus sort of gauge their risk. That would be really interesting if you had it and you didn't even know. Yeah, and I can't, you know, I can't tell you how many people have said to me, oh, you know, I was was sick recently and maybe that was it. And you know what? Some of those people are going to be right. And and that would be really helpful as a society to know. I think the general consensus is if you have about 60% within the society who have been infected and have some immunity. That's that's what they start to call a herd immunity. So there's enough people that are resistant to it within the society itself that it, mm-hmm. it does offer some level of protection even to those who have not been exposed just because the, the likelihood of it spreading quickly goes down significantly. Is there a light at the end of this tunnel anytime soon? You know, we're talking about potential reopenings. Is there, you know, a little sense of hope that we have to cling to that things maybe aren't as bad as they could have been had we done things differently, you know? I guess that, that's a good question. I mean, the the simple answer is yes, I think there is. But it, I think what that light looks like is going to be very different based on who you are and where you live. You know, you talk about the light at the end of the tunnel if you're in Brooklyn right now or in Queens, for example. It's going to look very different from the light we have. I mean, my, you know, most of the people that I, that I know here locally um, – you know, of course, they're concerned about their kids and homeschooling and proper education and jobs and paying rent and all those things. But, you know, the day-to-day conversation, they're just worried about when they can get back out to surf again because the beach is closed and maybe that's their light at the end of the tunnel. Um, but if you're talking about, you know, people that are in Queens, I think it's a very different situation where people are scared to death and, and mm-hmm. friends and family have already died. So in all situations, I think there is. Um but, but what it looks like and what the new normal is going to look like, I, I don't know. I mean, I think we can only guess at this point. So, like Dr. Shaw said, one of the most effective ways to support hospitals and healthcare workers is by staying home. The other important thing he added was that delivering prepared foods to hospital workers may actually put them at more risk of contracting coronavirus if the treats were made or delivered by an asymptomatic carrier. Instead, you may consider donating PPE-like masks or face shields. In fact, many residents are already taking on projects like those. Community members throughout the county are repairing the elastic bands on 300,000 N95 face masks from county storage. The newly repaired masks will then go to local healthcare workers to help with safety. 
The Rock Church and the San Diego Office of Emergency Services are leading this initiative with around 200 daily volunteers working out of church locations in Point Loma and San Marcos. These N95 masks are beyond the manufacturer's date, but once those old elastic bands are replaced, they will be fully functional and safe for healthcare professionals. With many businesses closed as a result of the coronavirus pandemic, cities are stepping up to protect tenants unable to pay their rent. In Oceanside, there is a proposal in the works to allow renters on city-owned property to defer payment up to three months. They would need to pay it back starting in 2021 with 12 interest-free installments. Carlsbad has a similar program to help businesses in town. Small shops forced to temporarily close their doors due to the pandemic may defer rent on their commercial lease, and on April 8th, Escondido also approved an eviction moratorium on both residential and commercial leases. Whether you rent an apartment or a storefront, if coronavirus has affected your finances and you're worried about making rent, make sure you contact your landlord as soon as possible to discuss your options. That's the latest out of North County this week. Remember, when it comes to coronavirus, things are changing rapidly. Please be sure to check your city websites for the most up-to-date information in your area. And for more news weekly, check out the print edition of The Coast News. Read our stories online daily or catch the full paper out every Friday. The full PDF version, by the way, is also available at thecoastnews.com. As people continue to stay home to prevent the spread of COVID-19, there's been an unexpected consequence, an uptick in the amount of domestic violence calls. Coast News reporter Lexi Brote looked into what's causing the increase and what one local nonprofit is doing to support survivors. The state shelter-in-place order has had plenty of unfortunate consequences. People have lost their jobs, been furloughed, restaurants are closed, and businesses are struggling. But because of the isolation of such orders, San Diego and really the whole world is also seeing an alarming spike in domestic abuse. This week, I talked to John Van Cleef, the CEO of the Community Resource Center in Encinitas. The nonprofit works with domestic violence victims and homeless populations in the North County area, providing them with access to rehousing, counseling, and other services. Van Cleef told me that more and more people have been calling into the center's domestic violence crisis hotline, seeking help in this uncertain time. It's a terrible way to describe it, but an unintended consequence of everything that's happening, or a real consequence of everything that's happening, is that abusers and those who experience abuse are more socially isolated, and then they are, you know, experience in the home is compounded by additional stressors. And I would, you know, typically say most abusers don't have really good coping strategies. Uh, to deal with stress, and so, you know, they resort to abuse. And so it's the uh, most unperfect mix of circumstances uh, for a person experiencing that kind of violence at home to now be more further isolated from, you know, relief and finding themselves in a, a more precarious situation, a more vulnerable situation. Given this reality, the center is looking at how they can best serve domestic violence victims at this time, whether through counseling services or rapid rehousing. Currently, the center is working closely with the city of Encinitas to provide housing vouchers to homeless populations in North County, really to discourage the spread of COVID-19 and keep as many people indoors as possible. 
During her interview, I asked Van Cleef how these services might also be relevant to domestic violence victims that the center serves. Is CRC taking similar efforts to house victims of domestic violence in, you know, motel situations as such? Yes. Um, you know, one of the hard realities is that um, domestic violence is the third leading cause of homelessness, period. Uh, and about 24% of the homeless population is there as a result of domestic violence. Yeah. So that answer is yes. Okay. Van Cleef says that the center will be working with homeless persons and domestic violence victims to move toward more permanent housing down the road. The center is quickly adapting to this crisis, providing telehealth counseling services and bringing their preventative educational programs online. But Van Cleef wants domestic violence victims to know that in spite of all of the change, the center is still providing the same assistance and the same services. Uh, for people who are experiencing relationship violence and domestic violence, the services you need are still there and available to you. For people who may suspect or be concerned that someone they know or care about is experiencing domestic violence, you know, those hotline and resource numbers are available to you, always keeping in mind that the safety of the abused and any children in the house is preeminent and That was Lexi Brote with the Coast News reporting. If you or a loved one is experiencing domestic violence, you can call the CRC 24 hours a day at 1-877-633-1112. Or you can check out crcncc.org for more information on survivor aid, counseling, and food assistance. Now, as we near the end of this episode, this is a good time to remember that we are all in this together. In the middle of this worldwide uncertainty, actor Matthew McConaughey took a moment on The Late Show with Stephen Colbert at home to express his optimistic hope for humanity as we start seeing a light at the end of this long tunnel. The upside of this, the silver lining, is we're going to come out this treating each other better than we ever have in the last, I don't know how many years. This is it. We've got a common denominator here. <laughs> no matter how high anyone was flying, economically or whatever, on some level, we've all been we've all been brought down to a level where we are birds flying at the same height. No mm-hmm. one is immune from this enemy, this coronavirus. So no, hey, th- this look. is like the aliens have landed on the planet. And we all have to bond together. The sci-fi picture has come to life. <laughs> it's not it's not fiction anymore. Um, yeah. So let's do this and come out the other side and look back and go. Mm-hmm. I'm a better man for that. I'm a better woman for that. I'm a better person for that time. Well said. Take a moment out there to appreciate each other and find moments of happiness among all of the unknowns. You may have heard that American folk musician John Prine, known for his storytelling and distinctive voice, passed away last week due to complications with the COVID-19 virus. But if his music is any indicator, he's still rocking away somewhere. Take it away, John. I hope to prove him wrong. That is when I get to heaven Cause I'm gonna have a cocktail Vodka and ginger ale Yeah, I'm gonna smoke a cigarette That's nine miles long I'm gonna kiss that pretty girl On the tilt of work Yeah, this old man is going to town All right, that is all we have for you on this episode of the North County Beat. 
We thank you guys, the listeners, for being here. A quick heads up, pretty soon we'll be providing you with even more amazing content on the week in between these episodes. You'll hear interviews with local leaders and conversations with some of my favorite people to share a beer with. More on that soon. Until then, catch us here every other Friday. Our next episode will air on Friday, May 1st. Stay tuned, folks. Before we go, we want to send out a couple of thank yous. Contributing reporters Lexi Bro, Tigus Lane, and Samantha Taylor. Our editor-in-chief is Jordan Ingram. Our associate publisher is Chris Kidd. And our publisher is Jim Kidd. I'm Kelly Kyle. And I'm Ryan Wolt. Thanks for joining us. Until next time, be safe out there and have a great weekend.